May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. And I have three guests with me today, all from the Women in the Law section of the New York State Bar Association. I have my partner, Morgan Richardson. I have Fretra Da Silva. And I have Laura Sullum. And we are going to talk about the ERA. If you don't know what that is, you should. And whether you know about it or not, we're going to talk a little bit more about the status of it on a federal level and in New York. But let me start really basic. Laura, tell us about the Women in Law section. My pleasure. Thanks, Rich. So the Women in Law section currently boasts over 1,000 members, and it includes women and men from upstate New York, downstate New York, from other states in the U.S., and also from countries around the world. And the section members are very diverse. And by that, I mean they're diverse in their personal characteristics, but also in the roles that they have in the legal profession and in the practice areas that they cover. And we're a strong group of professionals, and we're razor-focused on the most important issues that face women lawyers and also women in general. Examples are equal rights, sexual discrimination and sexual harassment, reproductive rights, and also things like professional development and workplace re-entry. We have over 15 committees, and what we do is we put on programs and we comment on pending legislation from New York State. And we also publish a Wills Connect e-newsletter to talk about the issues that we're most concerned with. Awesome. I know the section does fantastic work. Now, Morgan has spent a lot of time on social media. You can see her on TikTok. And I know you've been talking about the ERA. And I think you said it's your Roman Empire. (laughs) So tell us, for anyone who doesn't know, what is the ERA and what did you mean by that? Okay, so just to quickly set the stage, as you mentioned earlier, when we're talking about laws, there's two kinds of laws, right? We're talking about U.S. law, which is federal law, and then we're talking about state law, such as New York State. So the ERA, it stands for the Equal Rights Amendment, and that was proposed as an amendment to the U.S. Constitution back in 1923. And it was, I know that's a long 1923. And so it was proposed as an amendment that would guarantee the equal rights for all, regardless of sex. It's very simple language, and we can get into that in a minute. But to add an amendment to the U.S. Constitution is, shall we say, an event, right? Yep. You need to have two-thirds of both houses of Congress to ratify Or if the states have requested an amendment, there will be a convention, and then it must be three-fourths of the state legislatures at the convention, or if the states are having conventions, three-fourths of the conventions in each state. That's a long way of saying that the ERA has never, on a federal level, been solidified or enshrined in the U.S. Constitution as the 28th Amendment. So let let me freeze on that for just a second, because we've had a proposed amendment to the federal constitution that says nothing more than everyone should be treated equal regardless of their sex. That's all it says. And this country has never managed to adopt that, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. What is so controversial? (laughs) I mean, and so that's why I said it's my Roman Empire, because I think about that a lot. How is that controversial? Why can't we say on the basis of sex, we're not going to discriminate? Why can't that be in our constitution on a federal level? But because it's not, because the ERA is presently in stasis, if you will, the states are now left with the task of protecting their citizens. And so it's also fair to say that to amend a state constitution is also a bit of an event. However, New York is almost there. We've had this ERA, the New York ERA, has passed two legislative sessions, and now it is going to be on our ballot in November for us to vote on. So citizens of New York, pay attention because you will be asked to vote on whether or not to add this to our state constitution in November and double check the back of your ballot because I know there's a lot that will be going on for 2024 election cycle, but this is very important. Right. And you can never lose track in any election of all the stuff on the ballot, even if your focus is on the top line or who's up for what office. You got to read the whole thing. All right, Fretra. So now we're talking about the state level ERA for New York. Aren't all New Yorkers already protected under our state constitution? Well, you would think so. I mean, that's... I would think so. That's 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 why I asked. Unfortunately, the answer is no. The New York state constitution protects citizens on the basis of race and religion. But there's no clear protection for sex and other characteristics like disabilities, pregnancies, sexual orientation, gender identity, ethnicity, national origin. There's no clear protection for that. So the New York ERA, therefore, will expand the constitutional protections to include pregnant New Yorkers, including pregnancy outcomes, LGBTQIA+, those with disabilities, older New Yorkers, people from different cultures and different countries. And in addition, Rich, it's interesting that this amendment will truly expand the protections against potentially any government actions that could curtail a person's rights to their reproductive autonomy. I hear you. So beyond the state's constitution, there are other laws that provide protection. So, Laura, let me ask, why should people care so much about what the New York Constitution has to say on this matter? Well, there are laws in states, they vary by state, that do protect women to some extent. That certainly is true. Currently in New York state, however, women really have to rely on what is a patchwork of state laws and statutes and also local ordinances and laws to protect their rights. Laws can be fickle and politicians can be fickle. And sometimes those laws can change when newly elected officials come into office. So amending the constitution to add the ERA really is a fundamental change because it means that there's an explicit statement in the New York State Constitution, the governing document of the state that demands equal protection under the law for women and for other marginalized groups. And as Morgan talked about, amending the Constitution really is no small feat. And the next step for New York is the citizens will vote on that amendment. And if it passes, the Equal Rights Amendment will be very difficult to repeal or even to further amend. And it's more likely that it will be able to withstand political shifts than other laws or statutes. Okay, I follow that. So, Morgan, the Equal Rights Amendment in New York, as Fretra outlined, now that goes farther 
than just saying equality of sexes because it includes other categories as Fretra listed, right? Right, So exactly. it's, a, it's a broader constitutional amendment. And specifically, it gets into pregnancy outcomes, which I right. think is something very much on people's minds right now. So what exactly would the constitutional amendment mean in that regard in New York? Okay, so it's no secret that New York is an abortion access state. The federal abortion protections of Roe v. Wade were overturned by Dobbs, um, and so now it's on the states to protect abortion access rights. As an abortion access state, New York needs to ensure that it is protecting those New Yorkers and people who travel here who are seeking that access. We want to make sure that we're providing equality and we want to make sure that we're providing dignity for everyone seeking sort of their own autonomy in their health care choices. The ERA for New York, not the federal one, it includes that language. It includes pregnancy outcomes. It includes health care, reproductive health care rights. It isn't about abortions exclusively or anything like that. All pregnancy outcomes are protected. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we're in a point right now, a point in time, where childbearing folks are facing civil and criminal penalties for their pregnancy outcomes. And pregnancy outcomes could be a miscarriage or a stillbirth. So those are outcomes that also need protection. And that is what the New York ERA provides. It provides protection from punishment. So more specifically, it will prevent the state from implementing a state abortion ban. It will prevent the state from stopping funding for abortion in Medicaid. It will prevent a ban. It will prevent private insurance from stopping coverage for abortion. It will prevent the prosecution of people who have miscarriages or stillbirths. And then it would prevent the addition of extra hoops that people might need to jump through, medically speaking, in order to qualify for abortion access. All right. Well, I'm all for all of that. I mean, we're seeing examples in other states of prosecutions against women in dire circumstances who need abortions and cases. There's a recent one with a woman who is being charged with mishandling a corpse I think, because of what happened in her miscarriage. And there's really just some terrible stuff going on around the country with these laws, right? Right, exactly. And so that's why it's so important that New Yorkers are paying attention to what is happening with the New York ERA, because it's not just the basis of sex. It provides so much more protection for so many more individuals here and people who travel here. All right. So your group is working to get out the word, right? That's what we're doing here, and that's what you're doing at your program later this month. Fretra, tell us a little bit more about the New York State Bar Association program happening later this month. Okay. The Edith I. Spivak program is the 20th annual meeting event for the Women in Law section of the New York State Bar Association. As we mentioned, it's on January 18th at the New York Hilton Midtown Manhattan. And the program will focus on, or the theme of our program this year is Each One, Reach One, Educating Our Community About the ERA. And the day will focus on helping participants better understand what the amendment is, you know, why it's important and for whom, its impact on current policies and practices, and additional protections it'll provide. 
We're excited to start the day with a keynote address by former U.S. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. Now, Carolyn Maloney, as you probably know, has been a proponent of the federal ERA since she entered Congress back in 1992. I believe she reintroduced the federal ERA each session that she was in Congress. Just an incredible woman. We're excited to hear about her continued work. She is a board member of the ERA Coalition, and she works with the Fund for Women's Equality and is just out there championing women's rights. So we're excited to have her as our keynote speaker. In addition, we have New York Assembly member Rebecca Seawright, who's one of the authors of the New York ERA. Rebecca Seawright, along with others involved in writing and negotiating the New York ERA, will give us some of the behind-the-scenes information about the final drafting and the form of the amendment. So that'll be incredibly interesting. So we hope people will leave the day fully informed and able to communicate what is ERA and what it's about in New York to their friends and colleagues, like our theme says, so that each one can reach one and educate our community. Well, that sounds like a good goal and a great top of the bill. Laura, anything else going on at this meeting? I just encourage you to attend this meeting if you're interested in learning more about the ERA and the pros and the cons. We'll be covering all aspects of the ERA. And I would more generally encourage attorneys, if you haven't been to the annual meeting of the New York State Bar Association, it's a great event, and there are meetings in all kinds of sections that you might be interested in. So this one and others, it's always a great meeting to get to. Well, that program sounds fantastic. So how does somebody go about signing up for and attending the Women in the Law program? I think the easiest way is to go on our website. That's nisba.org, N-Y-S-B-A dot org. You can make your way to the Women in Law section, Wills section, and the registration will be right there. Excellent. You can register for other stuff at the annual meeting as well at that website. I want to know a little bit more about you guys individually, and I always let our guests do their own talking in that regard. So, Fretra, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Well, I've been practicing corporate and banking law for over 30 years in New York. (laughs) I'm here in my personal capacity, certainly, but I lead the transaction banking business for the legal department for Standard Chartered for the Americas, this region. And I've been there for about 12 or 13 years. It's been a long time. Before that, I was at City and at Deborah Voice in Plimpton. And uh, currently, I'm the chair-elect for the Women in Law section. So really excited about the work that we're doing now, the work we're going to do in the upcoming year. So you've got a tough day job and good work in the community, it sounds like. Try to. Excellent. (laughs) Laura, where can we find you? I'm also here in my personal capacity, but you can find me at Practical Law. I'm a senior director there, and Practical Law is a Thomson Reuters company. What we do is we publish know-how legal resources across all practice areas for law firm, in-house, and government attorneys. And what I do is I oversee editorial content and business strategy. I graduated from New York Law School. And I practiced as a complex commercial litigator for 12 years before joining Practical Law. I sit on the executive committee of the Women in Law section, and I co-chair the annual meeting and programming committee. I live in Brooklyn with my husband and two daughters. 
Oh, you know, I've got to plug my husband as well, my husband, Rohan, and I have four kids. (laughs) Well, that's excellent. And if you're an attorney practicing in the United States, you have interacted with Thomson Reuters frequently. So that's great. Morgan, we've had you before, but remind us what you do for a living. Sure. I mean, I think you can find me upstairs from your office, Rich. I'm a partner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. I'm a partner at Tartar, Krinsky & Drogan, and I'm the co-chair of the matrimonial department, which is a nice way of saying that I'm a divorce attorney. I litigate, I mediate, I negotiate. I have been a member of the Women in the Law section for, I think, going on 12 years now, and I've been involved with the executive board from you know, helping with different events that we plan to also just social media and media coverage for our events. You know, I'm here obviously in my personal capacity as well. And I feel deeply that this is going to be a wonderful program that we have pulled together with so many wonderful speakers. And if you're a lawyer, you get CLE credit. So why not stop by? It's definitely more relevant than thinking about the Roman Empire all day. (laughs) That's true. All right. Well, I appreciate having you all here. So we usually finish these episodes with a closing argument. I'm going to pitch it a little bit differently. So I'm going to ask you, and anyone can dive in with this, the U.S. amendment has been proposed, as we said, 100 years ago and has never been passed. And now there's this New York amendment, which is broader in scope and covers more. How much should we care about these constitutional amendments? Should we keep pushing to get them enacted? Anyone? I'll jump in to start. It's foundational right. It's surprising that New York does not have this in place currently. And it's surprising that women like Carolyn Maloney, Bella Abzak, we have her daughter, Liz Abzak, a part of one of our panels. She, in the past, and Carolyn currently, They've been fighting this for this for years. And then we look around and we realize it doesn't even get to where we want to be. Everyone, those with disabilities, those with older adults, LGBTQIA, I mean, all of us deserve a fundamental foundational right to equal treatment. And that's what this is about. And I'll say that the world looks to New York So if New York can pass the Equal Rights Amendment this year, then I think that's great for the momentum to have it pass at a federal level. Right. I agree with that. And, you know, there's no accident that my family and I live in New York. And we do it because of what New York is all about. And so it's important for New York to have these foundational things. And I think we should push as strongly as we can to adopt the New York Amendment. And I think we should keep pushing for the U.S. Amendment as well because it's correct and it ought to be part of the Constitution. I absolutely agree. And I would encourage New Yorkers, again, remember to check the back of your ballot because that is where a lot of things will be happening in November. Excellent. All right. Morgan, Fretcher, Laura, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, we'll see you soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should engage a lawyer of your own choosing. Tartar Krinsky & Drogan is a mid-size, full-service law firm located in New York with offices in New Jersey and Los Angeles. You can see more about us at tartarkrinsky.com. 
You can contact us at the email address podcast at tartarkrimsky.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at at Law Brief Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Lawful Riches. I know it's a little bit silly, but at least you don't have to spell Schoenstein. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and we are adjourned.